Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. If you're human, we can, we can fall into the rut of complaining a lot, and I'm guilty. Complaining is pretty darn easy, right? Um, I mean, it's not like, you know, the world's on the edge of World War III right now, right? Putin is crazy. Xi Jinping wants to rule the world. Little rocket man from North Korea. He's a trip, isn't he? Uh, just, I think just 12, 10, 12 days ago, firing more rockets off. Food shortages, famine, COVID, COVID 2.0, COVID 3.0, monkeypox. It's about time for the killer bees to come back. Then you got uh, inept politicians. Deceitful. Liars. Gas prices. Highest they've ever been. A couple weeks ago in Buffalo, some crazy racist killed 10 people. Mass shootings are up 20% since the year 2000. I wrote that sentence, and two hours later on my computer screen, mass shooting in Texas. Twenty-one dead. One in seven people in the world are starving. The U.S. has the highest rate of single parenthood in the world. One out of every four kids lives in a single parent home. Men thinking they're women. Please don't normalize this in your world because it's not normal. I wish physicians would get a clue. You know, our doctors who studied biology, not unlike our Supreme Court justice who doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman, who incidentally, she was approved as the next Supreme Court justice by the United States Senate. (laughs) These people are supposed to be smart. Durbin and Duckworth, they should be ashamed of themselves if you don't know what a woman is or you don't know what a man is. XXXY. It's a big deal. When I was a kid, being gay was a mental disorder. When I was a kid, if someone was gay, they were clinically, by the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Diseases, considered to have a mental disorder. Science, follow the science, I guess. But every time I follow the science, I end up at a big pile of money. 
Then 1973, it became a sexual orientation disturbance. That's in quotes. 1987, homosexuality completely disappeared from the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. Inflation. Anybody live through Jimmy Carter? Some of you young folks. Inflation now is 10%. So that means your $10 bill is now worth $9. That $100 bill is now worth 90. That $1,000 you have squirreled away somewhere isn't worth $1,000 because of what's happened in the last few months. It's only worth $900. And we're sending $41 billion to Ukraine. But we don't have it. No problem. We'll print it. Then we'll send it to them. See how good at complaining I am? I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm amazing. I have a couple other things to complain about. Gas went up on average 50 cents a gallon last month. Last month. The U.S. spends $11,800 per child on their education. $11,800 per child for their education. Comparable countries spend four to 5000 Yet, in reading, math, and science, North Korea beats us, Finland beats us, Canada beats us, New Zealand beats us, Japan, Australia, Belgium, Switzerland, Poland, Iceland, and the list goes on of countries that are smarter than our kids, but we spend three times as much money. You know why? Because problems in that psyche, problems are fixed by throwing more money at the problem. Oh, you have a problem? Well, let's just make some more money and we'll throw some more money at it. That should fix it. It's so easy to critique, to criticize, to whine, to complain. But when you're lucky enough to find someone that will listen to you, they hand you a complete form that looks like this. And they say, write legibly in the box below. So then you complain about the complaint form. <laughs> Sometimes I think we humans invented language just to satisfy our deep need to complain. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin said, any fool can complain, and they do. What does it mean to complain? Well, you find fault, you express dissatisfaction, and you criticize. And you see, if we're not careful, I'll talk about myself. My complaining becomes um, a self-serving catharsis where I feel better about myself because I'm so good at finding what's wrong in everything and everyone else. Now, don't get me wrong. Calling out what's wrong is a good place to start, but it's a poor place to end. In the year 1500 BC, Moses was uh, helping Israelites get out of Egypt. And in Numbers chapter one, 11, verse 1, it says this Now the people complained. Now, they were complaining against Moses, but they are actually complaining against God. And let me tell you what, that's not a safe place to be. Because when the Lord heard that these people were complaining, he got angry. And his anger was aroused. And a fire burned among them and consumed some of them on the outskirts of town. 500 years later, 
in the book of Psalms, that same story is recounted in Psalm 106. Verse 25, it says, And they grumbled in their tents, and they didn't obey the Lord, so he swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the desert, make their descendants fall among the nations, and scatter them throughout the lands. I think it's a good idea not to be a complainer. But pastor, I love to complain. I mean, come on, pastor, don't you see what a crooked and deprived generation we're living in? I do, I do. I just gave you some of my top complaints myself. But last I checked, complaining isn't one of the fruit of the spirit. Mm, 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 mm. So here's our challenge. Christian maturity on a continuum of how mature you are begins when you stop complaining and start doing something about it. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without, say without, complaining. You need to look at your neighbor and tell him it's time you stop complaining. It's time you stop complaining. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked, here it is, here it is, the author knew it even in Jesus' time, it's a crooked and depraved generation. At the same time he's telling you, have a good attitude, stop complaining, he's telling you, he realizes it's a weird place. It's a crooked and depraved generation. At the same time, he's telling you not to complain. I'll try it over here. The same time, out of the same breath, he's telling you don't complain. He's, he's identifying the fact that he realizes it's a depraved and a crooked generation. A depraved and a crooked generation is not your get out of free jail card that gets you, allows you to complain at hominem anywhere and all the time. We don't know how bad it is. Is that allowed? No, there, there is no exception. So calling out what's wrong, it's a good place to start, but it's a poor way to end. Pastor, pastor, I feel like the little kid in that, 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 that YouTube video is trying to get his grandma to give him a cupcake. Linda, 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 Linda. Remember that one from a couple years ago? Linda, Linda, Linda. Don't you see how corrupt the political system is? Don't you loathe the dis pastor, don't you loathe the disinformation that the media pumps out? Can't you see how the world's elite are manipulating diseases and famines and sickness for their own personal gain? Don't you see how morally bankrupt TV is and movies? Doesn't it bother you? Yeah, it bothers me. When you see the inequities between the haves and the have-nots, yeah, I see all that. I see all of that. And to get on the complaint train, pretty easy. So calling out what's wrong, that's a good place to start. That's not where we should end. And here's our example, found in the book of Micah. Now, Micah is not a highly preached text. It's not a highly preached book. He is a prophet in the Old Testament. He's considered a minor prophet. That doesn't mean that he's not important. There's major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, major prophetic books. And then there's 12 minor books. It's not because they're, they're less important. It just means that they're smaller. That's why they're called minor prophets. And Micah was one of these. He's a contemporary of Isaiah in 700 BC. So he lived in the same generation 
generation as Isaiah. And, and Micah really knew how to call a spade a spade. He took the first five chapters of his book and he listed all of the things that were going wrong in Israel. Well, America is the Israel of the New Testament. We need to interpret, we need to interpret scripture in light of the fact that America is the new Israel. Oh, that's a bunch of, let me say it this way. We are, we are more akin currently to Babylon than we are, ever have been to, to, to Israel. But Israel has some pretty dark days. I'm going, to read, I'm going to read to you some of the things that Micah didn't like about what was happening in the time. And you tell me if it sounds like anything today. There is moral decay, idol worship, poor leadership, always plotting evil. Sin of every sort is rampant. Injustice, empty, empty ritualism, and systematic rebellion. That was Micah's deal. Yeah, yeah, A, B, C, no, Z, all of the above is right. But th that's the first five chapters. Then you get to chapter six, and he says this. After he's complained, because complaining is an okay place to start, but you just can't end there. He says this. All right, I've shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of ye? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk Humbly, Micah knew his country, his nation, was headed to you know where in a handbasket unless these people got their attitude straightened out. Because calling out what's wrong is a good place to start, but it's a poor place to end. So it gives us a remedy with a little attitude adjustment. It was Lincoln who said, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns, or we can rejoice that thorn bushes have roses. If you look for the bad in the world, you're going to find it. So Micah says, instead of all of that, listen, I understand the whole list. He gave it to us. But then he turns on this hinge. The door that, that swings on the hinge of his book is found right there in Micah 6, 8. He says, I've told you what you need to do here. Do justly, love mercy, and walk in humility. Do what's right. So let's look at these just for a minute. Number one, be humble. I think you've heard that uh, in Miles' video announcement talking about communion. You heard it in uh, Ryan's transition as he was uh, moving us from worship into uh, the rest of the service. That's no act. They, they don't see my sermon notes. They don't know that I'm talking about humility and being humble today. So, you know, you know the saying, um, there but for the grace of God go I? You know that? John Bradford, 1555. He was an English minister. Uh, he, he said that. He was burned at the stake. <laughs> and while he was burned at the stake, he said this to the person next to him being burned at the stake. We shall have a merry supper with the Lord tonight. What a great attitude. He could have complained, but he didn't. There, but by the grace of God, go on. So the remedy to my complaining, you can listen into the sermon I'm preaching to myself, Eric, the remedy for your litany of complaints begins here, and that is being humble. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Proverbs eleven two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. James 4, 6. This is the one. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you want a pretty good indicator on whether or not someone is humble and has humility in their life, 
Here's a good indicator. Are they thankful? Because being thankful in a nonverbal way demonstrates, it's not the denotation, it's the connotation. It connotes the fact that I didn't do all this myself. I needed you and other people to help me do it. Therefore, thank you. I want to thank my mom, I want to thank my brother, I want to thank my wife, I want to thank the church. That person is a, is a person who's, who is giving you indication that there is some level of humility in their life. If you're not a thankful person and somebody does something for you and you don't text them, hey, thanks, or you don't write them, hey, thanks, or you don't drop them a note. I know letters are old-fashioned. I was talking to somebody last week who was helping young kids like, write a letter and they didn't know how to, or where to do a return address on an envelope. Yeah, strange world today. But if you don't in somehow thank, be thankful, you are on the, you're on the edge of being a very prideful person. You are self-contained. No one can give you anything, tell you anything, or help you with anything. So if, if, if you want to stop your complaining, if you want an antidote for a complaining behavior, my first admonition to you would be to become thankful. Start being thankful for things that you see. Well, gas, you know, I saw one of those uh, Biden stickers on a, on a gas pump in Athens the other day that, where it says, I did that, and it points right at the, right, have you seen this? It's a little sticker like this. They're all over if you look for them. And, and he's going like this. And he's pointing at the price that I paid for my 10 gallons of gas. Pretty easy to complain. Hey, but you know what? I got a truck that runs. It's got 223,000 miles on it. Pastor, why don't you get another truck? I don't need another truck. I have one that works. Thank you very much. I don't want a $400 a month payment. So I'm very, very thankful for what I have. Very thankful for my home. Very thankful for what I have. Be thankful. And you'd be surprised, parents, that when your little rugrat, I mean, your little child comes up to you. Your little curtain climber, your little crumb cruncher comes up to you and starts telling you thank you for things that you do. You know what that does? That makes you want to give them more things. It endears you to them because they're thankful. Hey, mom, thanks for that. Hey, dad, thanks for that. Here's some more. Don't you think that's how God looks at us? If you're going to sit around and with a, you know, stick your bottom lip out and complain that your life is so horrible and the government is so terrible and gas prices this and government that and politicians, yes, 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 but that's a good place to start. What does Micah tell us we need to start doing? How about walking in humility? You're not all that. I'm not all that. I'm just another sojourner with you, being dealt a fresh deck of cards every morning, just like you. Sometimes it's all twos, <laughs> right? Micah 6, 8, instead of complaining, be humble. In our vernacular, be thankful. Number two, instead of complaining, Micah tells the nation of Israel, you need to be merciful. Now, why is being merciful so hard? Because it's so easy for me to see the speck that's in your eye. That's why. <laughs> Jesus said it like this in Matthew 23, 24. Blind guides. You've ever been on a tour and you have a guide? 
Don't pick one that's blind. <laughs> There's a whole list, a whole line of 10 of them there. Take the one that can see. Jesus says, you're a bunch of blind. Who's he talking to? Religious people. Have you ever noticed that the harshest words that Jesus has is for people who thought they had their stuff together and their stuff didn't stink? Right? Jesus was always kind to people who were in humility and merciful and trying to figure out life and I'm busted and disgusted, man, but I sure need Jesus. You know, there's this woman I ran into her uh, just the other day. Um, she hops out of her car. She comes at me. She's like, I got to give you a hug. I don't even know this woman. This is at Ace Hardware on North Grand. I'm, what would you do? I'm, pull, a, pull a Paul Blart. You know Paul Blart? The mall copy one. I, 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 next thing you know, she was boom, give me a hug. She goes, I watch you on TV. Thank you so much. My life's a mess. I just thank God for you. Awesome. I said, you need to come to church. I said, listen, everybody there is broken, just like you. And she just like had this countenance change. So, right? So, so when, we, when, we, when we come to this place of being merciful towards people, God does something amazing for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. I'm glad he's rich in mercy because I need a lot. So instead of complaining, why should we show mercy? Let's, let's take a poll. How many of you screw up on a regular basis? Okay, and the others are liars, liars, liars. <laughs> so you should hold your hand up because you're a liar. <laughs> that means you need mercy because if it wasn't for mercy, God should just zap you like a June bug in one of those blue little lights out on your back porch in the sun. Zip, boom, who was that, Larry? <laughs> What'd he do? I don't know. God didn't like it. God's anger burned against him, right, 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 right. So who needs mercy? Okay. With that in mind, listen to this. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful. Why? Because then you will receive. You want mercy? Don't dole it out with a teaspoon and expect a gallon back. <laughs> to your family, to your kids, to your friends to your husband, to your wife, to your neighbor, to your nation, to your country, to your pastor, to your pastor. <laughs> I just threw that one in for fun, right? Be merciful. When I was first born again, I was not very merciful. I was very judgmental. Why? Because I had it all figured out. <laughs> That's why I went to Bible school. <laughs> And then I graduated and realized on day one, I didn't have it all figured out. I knew how to exegete the book of Romans, but I didn't know how to pastor. I didn't know how to be nice to people. <laughs> Ask my wife. <laughs> and in the position that I'm in, I often have an opportunity, though not relished, to sit in judgment on a situation. Pastor, what do you think about this? They did that. What should we do about that? That. <laughs> and I used to have really pretty, pretty, pretty firm edges on all of my decisions where that's concerned. 
And then uh, the Lord, in a time of prayer many years ago, we had a discussion that went something like this. Eric, when you stand before me on the day of judgment and we review all the decisions you've made in life, and we look at this one particular decision that you made where you were just a little, uh, uh, little eh, about that. He goes, the Lord said, would you rather, speaking of himself, would you rather that I error? Should I? Not possible as the Lord for you though. Would you prefer that I error on the side of mercy or on the side of judgment? I'm like, <laughs> What? Well, in my life, certainly error where mercy on the side of mercy, Lord. He goes, exactly. That's what I want you to do. Well, they're going to get away with it. I'm not to sit and The Lord will take care of whatever that is. Right? In the things that are eternal and the things that are salvation oriented, yes, I have some very hard edges on things in life. But, you know, are we going to sprinkle or are we going to dunk? Are we going to talk in tongues or aren't we? Are we going to have communion once a week, once a month, once a year? Um, do you use King James or NIV? You, and all of these things that, that, you know, I have preferences on all of that and, and I, have, I have opinions on all of that. But, you know, I've, I've figured out that wise people talk less than silly people. I figured that out. If you're always the first person to speak when someone asks for advice, you just might need a little conviction this morning. Why don't you just zip it? Listen. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Okay, this turned into a TED talk real quick. Let's come, <laughs> let's come back. Let's come back to the gospel, which is very appropriate in all of that, right? Being merciful. Holy smokes. I want to, if I'm going to error, and I will, I would rather, in the sight of the Lord, error on the side of mercy than judgment. Just saying. So this is what Micah is saying. He goes, listen, five chapters of how messed up Israel is, how messed up America is, how messed up your life, your job, whatever it is that you like to complain about is, that's a, listen, you have to identify the problem if you ever want to fix it. That's rule one in AA. Hi, I'm John and I'm an alcoholic. That's how that works, right? Hello? You can't fix something until you realize it is a problem. Right, okay. So, so, hi, I'm Eric and I'm a sinner. Wow, that means I should get saved. Boom, that's how you get saved. All right, so I've made my point. You have to acknowledge, say, yes, but if you wallow in Complainville, exactly. You got to get out of that mess. And here's how you do it. Start being humble, being thankful, and start being merciful. Now, <clears throat> some of the most difficult commands in scripture I'm going to give you right now, and if you're reading in a red letter Bible, these are the words of Jesus. So I, I could exegete them, I could expound upon them, but I'm going to let the words of Jesus just be the words of Jesus here for a second, okay? So if you'd like to close your eyes, you can. But I want you to imagine that, that Eric's not saying this, but this is Jesus talking to you right now, okay? Because this is what it is. It's from the Bible. Red letters. Here we go. In Luke chapter 6, verse 29. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others what you would have them do to you. 
But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Wow. Wow. You didn't expect to get that between the eyeballs today, did you? No, because we like to be happy and clappy. And I'm all for being happy and clappy. I think happy clappy is great. But every once in a while you need a dose of what does it really mean to be a Christ follower? Right? Not just name it and claim it and, you know, that. That's awesome. That's wonderful. It's not either or. It's both and. And this is the both and part. Stop your complaining. (laughs) Be merciful. Well, to, to everyone. That doesn't say that. It actually says be merciful to people that persecute you. Why? Because if you want mercy, then you have to give mercy. And be humble, be thankful. And then number three, do justly. In other words, do something about the injustice that you see. Do justly, do the right thing. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because I think it too, I have thought it. Well, I go to church. I pray for the hungry. I have sympathy for the poor. I have kind words towards the uneducated. I have pity to those who are less fortunate. None of that cuts it. That's just you feeling gooey, ooey, gooey, sad, blah, blah, blah. I didn't fix anything. Do justly do something about the injustice that you're complaining about. This is so hardwired to me when I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes I, I, I should be arrested. I, 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 in my mind, it's like, because I see something that's not right. I want to go over the counter at the store or behind the counter to fix it. Because it's like, do you not have a brain? Do you not see what the problem is? Everyone here in line sees the problem. <laughs> fix it. But that's not my domain. That, you know, I don't work at Walmart currently. <laughs> so I only have one text for your consideration this morning. I apologize if you're in a Walmart employee. It's all right. There you go. God is good. I'm not complaining. Proverbs 21.3. Check it out. Do what is right and just. This is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That comes from where Samuel was having a conversation with Saul. Saul thought he was all that and the bag of chips. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, didn't pay any attention to what Samuel had told him, and he went ahead and made an offering, although Samuel told him, hold up, wait a minute, I'll be there in a minute, then we'll do this thing together. Saul was like, nah, I'll do whatever I want to do. He did the offering, sacrificed all the animals. Saul comes up, he goes, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going to go well with the Lord. Why is that? And he said this, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Stop a second. Hold up. Wait a second. Obedience is better. Doing the right thing, obedience. Doing justice. Rectifying injustice. Standing up. Making a spectacle of yourself. 
trying to fix something that's broke. Doing that is better, is better than you complaining, obviously, but also just, um, uh, shall we say, oh, I went to church. I had pity on them. I prayed for them. Listen, I'm not diminishing your pity and your prayers and your sympathy and all of that. That's great. Now, when you get up from, some, oh, okay, I'll say it. Some air quote intercessors relieve themselves from that responsibility because they say, I have prayed about it. I prayed for them. I prayed for that situation. That's great. But when you get up from your knees, yes, go to your knees. Go to your knees. Complain to the Lord about it. Don't complain to me about it because you know what? My whole staff knows. The whole team knows. Someone comes to me with a complaint. I want an answer from you. You, 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 listen, complain all you want. They do this, it's not right, blah, blah. Okay, so what are we going to do to fix it? Fix it. it. Step one, fix. And then it. Then repeat, fix it. What's step two? Step one, repeat, fix it. <laughs> Obedience is better than sacrifice. Be humble. Be merciful, then do what is right. If you, if you call yourself a Christian, and I hope most of you do here this morning, I would hope that you realize that turning a blind eye to something is not in the directions on how to fix it. Yes. To ignore something, to turn a to turn a blind eye and turn a deaf ear to injustice is injustice. You are the perpetrator. It's something I had to learn a long time ago that truth doesn't change according to my ability to stomach it. I, I can live with that. Well, it's not right, but no, that doesn't mean that it's right. Right? Turning a blind eye makes nothing disappear. Now, if it was not for the mercy of the Lord, and we all said we need mercy, the verse I'm about to share with you should convict all of us to weeping and gnashing of teeth on the floor for a four-hour prayer meeting. And it's this, James 4, 17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. That's so convicting. So convicting. There's three types of sin. There's the sin of omission. I don't know if you know that or not. That's what I just talked about. When you know there's something that you should be doing and the Lord's told you to do it and you don't do it, that's sin. It's not this gray area that hasn't found a category of good or bad yet. It's bad, and you are the reason. It's continuing to be bad because you're not doing justly about that situation. You are in complaintville, continuing to look for the small little box to tell everybody else how horrible that is so you can self-justify, self-medicate yourself into feeling better about your circumstance because that sublimity tells everyone else you must have the wisdom then if this is so bad you must know the answer then you don't tell them you know the answer but the implication is that's all terrible what I would do if as I was in charge is the unspoken second half of that statement just self-elevation okay I digress 
Three types of sin. <laughs> I, I knew where I was. You were laughing, John. <clears throat> Is the sin of omission. When you, how do I know there's a sin of omission? Well, obviously James tells us this. You can go all the way back in the book of Numbers and when they're laying out all the different types of sacrifices and offerings that were given, there was one for the ignorant. If you did something that was wrong and you didn't know is wrong, God could still get you. How does, that, how, how does that work? Well, you're driving your car and now you're on your phone going over the speed limit in a construction zone. And you see the little blue lights in the back window and you pull over. You, hello, officer. Hello, officer. How are you? Fine. Let me see your driver's license. Uh, you shouldn't be on your phone. And, well, I didn't know. You think he takes ignorance as an excuse? No. Listen to me, lawyers. Ignorance is not an excuse. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, just because you didn't know you weren't supposed to do that, well, I, I, oh, I have no, I can't do that. Okay, so, I don't have time. Now, I can't. Don't egg me on, John. He's like, go ahead, go ahead, tell him, tell him, tell him. All right. Three types of sin. Number one, ignorance. Numbers chapter 15, 22. The sin of commission. Romans 3, 23, all of sin. We've all done it, that thing, and sometimes with regularity. So you need to stop it and... And then there is the sin of omission. I know to do right, and I didn't do it. Ignorance, commission, and omission. If you don't do what you know is right, you've sinned. If you don't do what is right, you have sinned. Gosh, what a convicting word. I'm happy when I get convicted. You know why? It gives me an opportunity to get better at being this thing called a Christian. Not so that I can be prideful of myself, but we should actually rejoice when the Lord convicts us. Eric, you've been walking around a complaining mobile. You are, we saw the Wiener mobile. We saw the hot dog Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile the other day. That's what I was thinking about. Just driving around complaining. Oh, I wish I was a... See, now you're... It's a scary place to be in here. You get that song in your head, you know what happens? It stays there. You start complaining, stays there. Like the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. Fat kids. Skinny kids. Kids who climb on rocks. Tough kids. Just kids. Even kids with chicken pox love hot dogs. Armor hot dogs. The dogs kids love to fight. Sang it all day yesterday. Didn't we? We were driving around town. We were singing all day yesterday. So how do we, how do we implement this solution for being crabby all the time and irritable and complainers? Let me tell you what. I got to get off the complaint. I'm telling you, I'm on the complaint train. I'm getting off because it's so easy to complain, find fault and stuff. But what do you do to, when you stop doing that, you need to fill it with something else. You need to walk in humility. 
be thankful, show mercy, because you need mercy, and then do something about it. Now, you can't do something about everything, right? You just wear yourself out. Find the thing that's just under, the burr under your saddle. You know what I'm talking about? That thing that you got, I'm I'm gonna fix. I will do what I can do And as long as the Lord knows, I'm doing something about this thing that just irritates me, so I'm going to do it. And just, oh, can I just say this about that? When you have your thing and I have my thing, my thing isn't your thing. Yes, I see the injustice that you're fighting for, but I got my thing I'm doing here. I affirm with time and energy and talent and resource as best I can in what it is that you're doing Right, but I, that's not my deal. My deal is it. But if you don't have a deal, you better have a deal that you're trying to fix. Homelessness, hunger, single parents, addiction, beer Roy, Dream Center. You better be about something that you're trying to fix in the world. That's doing justice. You see an injustice. that clear (laughs) don't turn a blind eye okay I have time I have time for this little bunny trail well that sounds like it's going to take a lot of time and energy pastor (laughs) it's going to be painful it's going to cost time and talent and treasure and all that yeah yeah here's a news flash here's a news flash put it in your theology Life is painful. Well, that's not very edifying. No, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So life is painful. Now, here's how I'm going to quantify this for you, and you're going to have a choice. Here's your choice where pain is concerned. A, you endure the pain of discipline, or B, you endure the pain of what is it, Miles? Regret. I told the staff on Monday. The pain of regret. You either have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, but you're going to have pain. So fix it. Discipline. You know what you have to do. Do it. Grow up. Put your big boy pants on. He saw the smile on his face, talking to himself. Put your big pants, boy pants on and do something about it. Well, it's scary. I'm afraid. Then do it afraid. You know how greatness is achieved? People press through what they're afraid of and they do it anyway. Right? Painful though it may be. But you'll have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. But you will have pain. From disciplining, disciplining your child, pay me now or pay me later. Discipline in your body, discipline in your health, discipline in your education. Discipline in morality. Bible says sin is awesome. Bible says sin is awesome, it's pleasant, it's desirable for a season. It tastes like honey in your mouth, but turns to rock in your stomach. Right? 
so sin has its pleasure for a season. So you have discipline now, pay me now, pay me later. Pain, the pain of discipline, doing the right thing even when no one else is doing the right thing. Well, not everybody else is doing it. Not everybody else is. Pastor, you, you ought to help me do this. No, I have what I'm doing. You come to me with the problem and I'm going to tell you, fix it. I'll cheer you on. I will cheer on pro-life, beer life. I'll cheer on overcomer. I'll cheer you on. Do it, fix it. You're in the midst of trying to fix something and jump some injustice and you're walking in humility and mercy about it. Yes, yes. That's an office clap. Remember the TV show office? Yes, we're just going to clap like that. I can't clap any harder with more enthusiasm. I'm not a golf clapper. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. No, 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 no. Life is too short. You're not getting out of it alive, so you may as well go for it. You might as well. At the end, you're six feet under. Pay me now, pay me later. There's pain. I want to have the pain doing the right thing, not the pain of regret. That's what I've determined. And if the wheels fall off it, I told my wife, on my headstone, please put, at least he tried. I may even written it in our wheel. I don't know if I wrote it in our wheel. But that's a real thing. That's a real thing for me. That's a real thing. Hand to heaven. Don't turn a blind eye. Do something about it. Do justice. Do justly. Do what's right regardless. It's the heartbeat of God. How do I know? Uh, that's what he did for us. These three things, what did he do? He did those. He humbled himself. Huh? God humbled himself. Aren't you glad? Yeah. He's our living example of how to get out of this place called Complaintville. He humbled himself, came to earth. We all said we are thankful that he's merciful and that he did something. Right? He went to the cross. He went to the cross. He did. He didn't just say, y'all ought to get it together. You know? You should be good people. I've written this for you. I've spoken these words. No. Every other religion is like that. <clears throat> the lighting is not good, and television will not appreciate this, so I'll, I'll just be here. And, and that is that, that God actually came down the steps to us. He didn't stand at the top of the staircase and said, get up here. He did something. He came down to us. He was merciful towards us. He humbled himself and he did something about it. He fixed it. Yes. See, that's what's so cool about the gospel. When the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you the thirsty? When did we give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in? You needed clothing to clothe you. And when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I'll tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. You did for me. That's the thing about missions trips. It just, I just love so much. And I know I'm, I'm close on time, but I, I do want to, to just think, think this through. 
oh, there's a person out in front of Walmart and they're begging and a person on the street corner. You go on a mission trip and we're gonna be the hands of Jesus. We're gonna be the feet of Jesus. We're gonna minister the love of Jesus to them. Yes, I understand that sentiment. I'm in that corner as well, but it doesn't line with the scripture. This scripture says when you do it to them, you've done it to me. When you're washing the feet of someone in a third world country and lice and all of that, you're not, you're not washing their feet. When you're showing the love and kindness and mercy towards people that don't deserve it, you're not doing it to them. You're doing it as unto the Lord. This is how we get out of this rut, which is a grave with both ends kicked out, a place where we die, feel good about ourselves because we can enumerate all the problems in the world. And I just gave you a short smattering of my complaint list. But what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Dream Center is part of the solution, I think, for me, and a wonderful opportunity for you to partner and do something. Help these kids figure out their life apart from some sort of drug that they need or some sort of education that's failing them, right? Or Beard of High Roy or whatever other ministry. Do something, please. Please, for God's sake. Why don't you stand up with me, please? Lord, we know that any fool can complain, and they do. But that's not our heart, Lord. We don't want to be complainers. We want to be people that do justly, who love mercy, and walk in humility. And so I'm going to ask each of you just to close your eyes for a moment and think, those of you online, those of you in television land, just think about those three categories. Which one of those are, is the biggest struggle for you? Because some of you are like really great with humility and some of you are really great with mercy and not so good on the other things or vice versa. You just pick the one that you need to work on the most. That's what we're going to pray about here in just a second. Why well, I want all three of them, Pastor. Yes, you can have all three, but I want you to pick one. So just take the hand of your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your friend, somebody you're standing next to, because we're all family. Even if you don't know them, it's okay. I know it's weird. It's all right. Lord, we're here today because we call ourselves Christians or we want to be a Christian, or we want to find out about Christianity. And so if you're here today and you want to find out about Christianity and you think what you've heard today inclines you to becoming a Christian because it's real and there's, there's hope for you too, just squeeze the hand of your neighbor. That's you telling them, pray for me today. I need to get closer to Jesus. And if someone just squeezed your hand, I just want you to begin to pray right now. Not weird. Just begin to pray. Father, let them come to you today. Thank you for your, your mercy, Lord. Let it be upon them. Let, let your grace be there for them. Help them. Let them see the cross clearly, what you did to fix their problem. You paid the price. 
and the rest of us, Lord, we're, we're here uh, terribly broken, um, falling extremely short. And in that, we will be humble and we will be thankful. And we say thank you. So those that are needing to be more humble in your life, your challenge is to be more thankful. To those challenged with mercy today, go be merciful. And if you're looking for something to do, something right to wrong, just open your eyes. Have the Lord tell you, that's what I want you to work on. That's your destiny for the rest of your life, or at least for the foreseeable future. Go and do the best you can to fix it. Use your time. Use your talents. Use your treasure. Those aren't yours anyway. I gave them to you, says the Lord. That's time I gave you. That's talent I gave you. That's treasure I gave you. Now go use that to fix it. Lord, our heart is open to you this morning to show us the way. Show us the way that we could walk in it and find the peace of God that passes understanding, guarding our hearts. <laughs> the Lord's telling you right now what you need to do what you need to get involved in, how you need to change what comes out of your mouth. Maybe it's going to start with your kids or your mom, your husband, your loved ones today. You're just going to start by giving them a hug, telling you love them. Maybe it's going to pick up the phone and where you wanted to sow judgment, you're going to show mercy. And where you wanted to walk in in pride, you're just going to keep your mouth shut, be humble, and be thankful. Because this is what I believe the Lord would have us as Christians do in this day and age, in this time. Shout it from the mountaintops, the inequities, yes. Complain, yes. Be vocal, yes. But that is not the end. That's not the end for you or me. And that's our challenge. And so may the peace of God that passes understanding guard your heart, be in your mind, and lead you this week to be more like him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. And amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.